still to this day remember uh, texting my sister, there's no hope, and setting my phone down on the kitchen counter and just weeping. We are going for liftoff in T minus 30. All systems are the And on this episode of the Great Escape Podcast, I'm talking to Dawn Apuan. And Dawn said that her husband and she worked for an organization that provided a fully furnished house with paid utilities, two cars, insurance, and of course, employment, lots of security, but no freedom. Dawn, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Stuart. I'm so excited to be here today. You're very welcome. So tell us what it was that made you decide that this lovely, secure employment environment had to change, that this was, you needed more freedom. Yeah, so at the time, as you mentioned, um, the job, we were in ministry and it provided a lot of security um, for my husband and I. And uh, we had been in a city and in a community for five years. And at that point, we had an annual review with our leadership who basically told us that we were failures and nothing that we had done in the previous five years had mattered. And even though I knew in my mind that that wasn't true, you know, I could list, you know, we had stats of uh, close to 80,000 people served every year in our community programs we'd started, you know, all kinds of things. And uh, I was started to list, I started to defend myself and list that. And uh, that leader at the time just shrugged his shoulders and said, it doesn't matter. And the result of that was about eight weeks later, we were informed that we were moving. And um, moves are a regular part of the organization. So um, we always know that it's possible every year to move, but it was a lot more painful knowing that we were being moved because of their judgment and perception of how we had done in that community. And we were very well loved Um, by the people in our church, by um, those who came for our services, like a food bank and housing programs. Um, So they were all extremely sad to see us go. And the the crunching point for us was um, we had about six or seven weeks to prepare for the move. We weren't moving far um, because my husband has older kids with a previous marriage. So we had to stay within a geographic region in order to get them to school because we had half custody and then I had a one-year-old my husband and I had a one-year-old together so a transition with kids is a big deal there are six of us all together and we moved geographically and then went to jobs where we weren't in charge but um, another married couple who worked for the organization was uh, overseeing us and they were what I would say is abusive in their treatment of us. And then I also had to put my one-year-old in childcare, which I wasn't ready to do. She wasn't ready to do. She had always come to work with me or I'd worked from home because we were in charge of our whole county, um, the operation that we had done where we were so-called failures. So the big transition point for me was having to put my daughter in childcare when we weren't ready and when that all happened like she was crying for hours a night um, 
And there was one night I was just standing outside her door and tears were streaming down my face and she was crying. And I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this to my daughter. You know, my husband and I were miserable at work. We were miserable at night because my daughter was miserable because we weren't with her. And that's when I made a decision one day that we just had to get out. And that's when the real challenge started, I think. Yeah, it often does. You, you've made that decision, but you don't know what's ha- going to happen next. No, or how. Yeah. Now, having kind of come to that realization, because it wasn't really a decision, it was a, a realization that, that this life is unsustainable, it's, it's incompatible with us as a family. Mm-hmm. How did you come to understand that actually it was possible? Because Im- that immediate thought, this has got to change, but you, you can't see what's going to happen next. Yeah, it was really tough. I actually still to this day remember uh, texting my sister, there's no hope, and setting my phone down on the kitchen counter and just weeping because it felt hopeless. As you mentioned, everything was provided for us, house, cars, um, furniture, down to even pots and pans and cutlery, beds, sheets, towels, like everything. So as I mentioned, there's six of us in the family. Um, And because we were given all these non-cash benefits, which were great, um, the cash allowance that we were actually given each month could not even pay one month's rent in our community. So it took a long time to save up enough money, even just to financially be able to get out, never mind finding a place to live. And my husband had been doing it for 25 years. So he literally went from his parents' home to seminary to ministry. So he had never rented, never bought a car, never had to find car insurance, you know, all these things that most people do, you know, right after college when they're in their 20s (laughs) or something. And we were, here we are in midlife and trying to basically start over again. And that was a huge barrier for me. It felt impossible. Um, And I spent hours every night Googling. Uh, I started with work from home. It's a pretty popular Google phrase. But um, since my daughter was my main reason for wanting to change outside of the fact that we weren't being treated very well. Um, I was trying to find something that would provide an income without me needing to be in a nine to five. Uh And that was a totally new area for me, but that's where I started was what could I do that could be from home that could provide an income. And then that was my first step. And then I figured I could figure out a job for my husband and, I started applying for jobs for him. Um, It took him a little longer to be on board. Okay. Um, Not that he, it wasn't that he didn't want to leave. You know, with that geographic change, we were actually driving anywhere from 29 to 42 hours a week on top of a 40 hour job plus kids, you know, all of that. So it was very unsustainable and horrific and um, he wasn't happy but he was far more hopeless than I was in just feeling like 
we have so little cash flow, how would we ever move and uproot an entire family and get jobs to get out of the situation? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you've got no cash buffer behind you, it just seems yeah. impossible. Yeah. I mean, I was fortunate in that I had been saving not that I knew that that was coming, but you know, I'm very good with money and we had a savings, but it still did take time. Um, yeah. It ended up being 17 months before we were able to make the great escape. Okay. And, and along that 17 months, was there, uh, again, a moment or did it happen over time where the two of you actually believed we can do this we can make this change we can build a whole new life uh, it is together because i'm guessing you know stress like that <laughs> causes yes. all sorts of stress on the marriage and relationships for sure it definitely put stress on us because he felt like it was hopeless but he knew that i was giving all of my energy after my daughter was in bed to searching for something else and you know, like I said, he wasn't against that. He just didn't see where it was possible. So I'm fortunate in that he was always supportive of me. And he was always very supportive of my desire to put our family first. And um, also at this time, something I forgot to mention is that the whole childcare force process, um, I went into deep depression. I was having panic attacks um, about leaving my daughter in childcare. Um, so I was emotionally rather unstable. <laughs> and my husband was calling a counselor and he was checking in on me to make sure I was safe. Um, it was a very, very dark time for me emotionally and very scary for him. Um, so that causes tension too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just, I was not healthy. Um, I also had at the same time at the anniversary of my brother's death and I was the same age that year as him. And my daughter was the same age as his son when he died. So there was just a lot of emotional things going on for me um, and him being concerned for my well-being. And I think eventually... The fact that I came out of depression and that I saw hope and that he could see that I was working toward a better future, it kind of then got him on board. So uh, there wasn't really like a moment where we decided, like, yes, we're going to do this until we uh, actually, so I, I had filled out a bunch of job applications for him and written cover letters and he would never send it in because I couldn't email it from my email account. I, like, he it needed, needed to, to come from him. It, yeah, He wouldn't. And finally, there was one job that he was excited about and he was willing to turn it in, even though, you know, we did it together. We did the application together. And, um, you know, for my husband, he's never known anything else. I mean, imagine 25 years for the same organization when everything has just been provided for you. It's such a huge leap for him that um, I was the one by his side, you know, kind of pushing him off. <laughs> yeah, you've got to jump off this cliff. <laughs> yep. And so he went and he interviewed for this job 
because I really encouraged him. It was a dream job for him. And in the interview, they said, well, what does your wife do? Would she be willing to work for us too? Totally amazing, unexpected God thing, right? Because we knew that I needed a job, but I hadn't found anything yet. And um, so then after he interviewed, I interviewed, we went in together and they basically offered us the job. And I think that was his moment of we walked out of the building and he looked at me and he was like, did we just say yes? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I guess that is, if there is a moment, that for us was like, here we go. Because we then had 17 days to pack up our entire house, <laughs> to move, to find a place to live. It was just over two weeks from the day we interviewed and accepted to the day we started. Okay. Was that much of a geographical move or you had you managed to stay in the same geographical area? We went back to where we had originally been, yeah, so that we were walking distance to the kids' schools so that they, uh, we didn't need to drive them anymore. That was what was accounting for the majority of all of that driving um, was the kids' school. So it's, uh, we always do it by time since we have so much traffic. It's about a half an hour. Okay. Um, which is 20, 25 miles. Yeah, no, it depends very much on traffic uh, here in the UK as with in any uh, country. In a sense, you didn't believe it was going to happen until it was happening. Yeah, I was believing, but it was so hard to know for sure. Like, I, I think in my mind, I knew it was eventually going to happen. I was frustrated that it didn't happen sooner. Yeah. You know, I kept thinking, this is awful. Like our situation was so unlivable. And the fact that we were being treated so poorly, I was like, why would God not deliver us sooner? And so I knew it would happen. I didn't know when. And I was wishing and praying and hoping and pleading desperately with God for it to happen sooner. But I think hindsight is 2020 right you look back and you say oh it was perfect i learned what i needed to learn in those 17 months to be the person who i was now becoming and i needed that time and that growth in order to make the jump and so i look back and i say it was perfect uh but it was the hardest uh year and a half of our lives i would say yeah i think that's often the case there are experiences we've gone through that we would really rather have not had to go through um, but actually they've helped us For to sure. be the people that we've become that we wouldn't have been otherwise and uh, I'm so grateful that you spoke about your your struggle with depression and, and anxiety because often in today's society we have this sense that we can't admit to those things and and it's really uh, frees other people when they know that you and I and other people have, have struggled with these things. Yeah, and it's, you're right, it's definitely something that's more taboo, especially in the church, which we were in ministry, we were pastors, so you have that, that taboo subject, plus you have that guilt of, well, we're supposed to be filled with the joy of our salvation. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed to consider it joy when we encounter trials, and so 
then you're just like shitting on yourself and this whole guilt thing. And yeah, it was a huge, huge struggle. And um, my brother, who I mentioned, it was the anniversary of his death that summer, he was clinically depressed and died by suicide. So we also had that to contend with knowing how depressed and desperate I was. And I, I did not consider suicide at all, but that's why my husband was so scared um, because we knew, we know the effects of that. And you're right. It's not something that we talk much about. No, I've taken five funerals in the last six months for men who've taken their own lives. So, you know, it's a subject that is um, pretty high on my list of things that I wish people talked about, but, but you're right. Certainly, uh, in society mm-hmm. as a whole, and very much within the church, depression is kind of skipped over. Now, also, one of the questions that I wanted to ask is, often people have, you, know, you decided you needed to find another job for, for you and your husband. Um, he's come late to the game. He's kind of spent some time and and that's obviously caused a stress between you because you're thinking this has to change and he's thinking I don't know what to do or or Mm -hmm. don't want to do this change have you actually chosen a job in an entirely new environment or have you just changed from one organization to another but with a similar role No, it's quite different, actually. Um, The only similarity I would say is that it's another nonprofit (laughs) that we work for. Um, It's a conservative think tank. Um, So it is in an area that my husband loves. He was working on his master's in apologetics prior to leaving ministry. So there was a connection for him in that respect. Um, But we're doing development data entry so you know working with donors which we did in the church because you know we we did have donors as a nonprofit um, social services agency we were doing you know letters for appeals what we call direct mail or donor appeals um, writing thank yous to donors having a board so a few things came over but we were you know, we're low man on the totem pole <laughs> after being, you know, we were executive directors. That would have been our title. Um, even though we were pastors, we were also the executive directors of the nonprofit for our entire county. So to go to, you know, bottom of the rung data entry is a big change, you know, from the corner office to the inter-office cubicle that yep. has no walls. Um is a big switch, but I think one that it just was necessary and it was a good bridge and there's room for growth within the organization. And the biggest key for us is that we predominantly work from home. And that was a big part of our negotiation. We said we have, you know, at the time she was two and we said we had a two-year-old and this time is limited. And if we're gonna work here, then one of us is home working from home and the other one can be in the office and we take turns and so we're home with our daughter Uh, so in that respect it's different because now you know we keep to the same schedule so that people in the office know who's going to be in when but we have the freedom to raise our daughter and that was that's my highest value so when 
that got threatened. Um, you know, mama bear is fierce. <laughs> and yeah. that is, you know, I'm grateful to myself for, you know, my stubborn resolve and my undying fight to protect um, those years with my daughter. That's something that I absolutely will never regret um, fighting for that time. So in that respect, it's different. We get to work from home and go to the office and it's a great balance, I think, and a great um, bridge for where we came from in to ease into what I would call a quote-unquote normal life. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have a normal life in the sense that normal life would simply have been to have swapped it for a a cubicle job somewhere else, Mm. but you've held out. You've said, no, working from home is the thing that we want to do because raising our child, being present with our child is a fundamental part of who we want to be as parents. Absolutely, and you know, that was something we talked about when he was, you know, questioning what I was doing and scared to death that I was looking for something else. I said, you know, I don't want to just trade misery for misery. I don't want to just trade her being in, she had a nanny, so it wasn't, I couldn't even do a normal daycare. Yeah. (laughs) I just couldn't handle it. But, um, you know, trading for another nine to five, it just didn't make sense. But that's part of what took us, took me 17 months, was waiting for the right opportunity, the right timing, um, all of that to fall into place. And, you know, amazingly, we got offered the jobs on a Tuesday night, applied for the one house in the one zip code that was available that allowed dogs. (laughs) And then that Thursday, we got the house. We walked into our boss and resigned. And then two weeks later, we were in the new job. So it all happened super fast once Once the ball got rolling. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I see with a lot of people is once the change starts to happen, it it really kicks in. But sometimes it can take us, in your case, or in your husband's case, 17 months to, to get the head into the right place to allow it to happen. For sure. Yeah, I think that's maybe the biggest part. These prisons we build for ourselves are the toughest ones because we built them for ourselves. We we know how to make ourselves feel trapped. Yeah, one of my coaches says your your comfort zone is a self-imposed prison. Yeah. And that was absolutely where we were at. Absolutely, absolutely. So now... Life may not have titles, job titles and status, but you have the home life that you're wanting or more in control of home life. There's always room for improvement in different ways. And do you see you and your husband changing jobs again or do you think this is going to be it for a while whilst you consolidate that family unit and see your daughter grow up a bit more? Yeah, I think we came into this job really looking for it to be long-term. My husband is very loyal and um, this is an organization that we considered very carefully. The other component of what I was doing, uh, I mentioned I was Googling work from home and so I had started a business and it 
did not take off as soon as I thought it would. Never does. <laughs> no, you know, you you listen to all the marketers and buy the programs and you think, oh, this is going to be so fast and so easy and it'll just take off and we'll be free and we won't even have to get jobs because I'm going to have this amazing business and it doesn't work like that. <laughs> so, you know, I learned a tongue. I kid you not. I switched from a, f a flip phone just a couple of years ago okay. because of being the executive director. I had all these meetings and finally upgraded to a smartphone, but I am not techie like, whatsoever. And here I was, you know, once I found what I saw as my solution, I, I actually ordered a, a digital marketing course and I learned how to set up a website and build funnels and do all this tech stuff where my husband's the tech savvy one. And to this day, he has to turn on the TV because I don't understand how to turn on the TV and I don't watch it. But um, I then learned all these skills and he's now he's like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, so this non tech savvy girl was learning how to build an online business in my evenings, uh, once I made the shift and decided, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, that's what I was looking to do rather than have a nine to five. So really the, the ability to work from home, um, since my business was not making a sustainable income, I was making money, uh, which is unusual. There's a small percentage, right? That make money within the first year yeah. of doing an online business. And I did, I actually hit, uh, five figures in the first year, but it was so up and down and, you know, like Facebook ad accounts getting shut down and, you know, just different things that I, I was not willing to bet my family's livelihood mm -hmm. on something that wasn't, that I didn't know for sure I could make enough to supplement his income. So that's why we, both got jobs and found the positions that we did in order to work from home. Eventually I would absolutely love for my business to grow to the point where I could be part-time or none at all. You know, it just will depend on that growth. And, um, but that is, that's my dream and my vision is to grow it to that point. So that business is carrying on as a side gig. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And I love it. I, I always say entrepreneurship actually saved my life that I, I accidentally became an entrepreneur because I, I didn't go into, I just was Googling work from home. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> like, Oh, I should start a business and become an entrepreneur. That didn't cross my mind until about eight months later when I was at a conference and they were referring to us as entrepreneurs. And I was like, Oh, I guess I am. If I, start a business and I make money from home. That sounds kind of like an entrepreneur. Yeah. Anybody who starts an enterprise. And I think that's, you, know, you said you, you hit five figures in your first year and it was profitable. Yeah. That's very, very rare. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's something which people don't, you know, they imagine we're going to just start this business, put out a few Facebook ads or a few Google ads and suddenly we'll, we'll have all this money rolling in. And you forget that these gurus who are out there selling these courses have got tens of thousands, if not millions of people on their email lists. And you know, they can push out an email in, 
even if only 0.1 of a percent of their followers buy it, they've made a, a ton of money. When you've got it's no list, good money. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tough to start. And and so, you, do you have a time scale where you think the side gig may begin to take over and be the main job, or are you just letting it roll and see what happens? Some of both. I'd love to see it within a year, year and a half, but I don't want to. I think I'm hesitating putting a timeline on it because I was so stressed about getting out of the last job and it kept being disappointing that I think I I was giving myself this message of, oh, you're not good enough. You haven't made it online yet. You are not, you know, I was in affiliate marketing. That's what I started and I'm not in it anymore, but um, it's definitely a man's world in affiliate marketing. (laughs) And to have made as much as I did as a woman was, you know, pretty rare for that particular group. So, but I had all this, I don't know if it was self doubt or just shooting on myself of like, why am I not better? Like, what is it that they can be making five figures a month? And I'm not, you know, and looking at, you know, just comparing myself all the time and being like, well, I'm a better writer or, you know, I do better ads or whatever the case may be. Um, Just not understanding and putting so much pressure on myself because I felt like our escape really was up to me. Yeah. Not that my husband wasn't supportive, but he just was paralyzed by the mountainous challenge that it presented and he didn't think it was possible. So really it was up to me and I had so much pressure to make this business work and I was trying to do it so fast and I was like, oh, if I just consume course after course after course after course, I'll make money faster. And then, you know, and I was spending hours a day not sleeping much, um, trying to make it work. And so I'm, I'm not wanting to do that. I don't want to get comfortable and, you know, just let my business go because I love it too much. And it's really what lights me up. And I truly believe that that's my God-given mission and purpose in this world is to bring that message and to continue that business. So, and it's, my business is around transformation coaching and, um, helping people overcome difficult circumstances like tragic loss, suicide, because that is part of my story. And the, how it happened for me was, um, when I took that digital marketing course, once again, they emailed his giant email list and he's like, Hey, we have this personal development event. And at the time, like, I didn't even know what that word meant. I was like, personal development, you know? in the church, we would say like Christian growth or something like that. Right. Um, I didn't know who Tony Robbins was. I didn't know, <laughs> you know any of the gurus, um, didn't even know what personal development was, but everybody was like, Oh, you have to go to this conference. It's amazing. It will change your life. And I was like, I need some life change. <laughs> like, I'm in. So I did not know what I was in for. <laughs> And it was amazing. And it did. It changed my life doing personal development taught, you know, by secular, I guess you would say it was not Christian based, but the personal development, the books that I read, the conferences I attended, that is where 
that's how I got out of depression, honestly, is I started seeing the power of my mindset, the power of like the ability to have a choice over how I felt and what my thoughts were totally changed how I showed up. And then one of the biggest shifts was that victim mentality, knowing because of the situation that we were in and then being taught, you know, everything is for us, not to us, just sort of put the light bulb on in my mind. And I was like, okay, so they didn't do this to me or to my family or to my daughter. They did this for us. And how can I now make this all be for our good and for my family's good? And and then I saw just tremendous, tremendous growth um, through, I took more courses on personal development. I went to more conferences uh, up to the point where one day my husband looked at me and he said, you know, I never thought I would get you back after your brother died. And it's just amazing to see that that change came because I started working on myself in a way that had never been presented to me in 30 years of being in the church. So um, that's the message and the purpose I feel like I have now to the world is you have a choice. You have a choice to show up and live fully each day and to choose joy. And then you have a choice to choose stress and busyness and overwhelm and all yeah. those things that I was living in before. And you, you've been very careful with your choice of words there because certainly something I've observed within the church, it's very easy to view Christian teaching or any other faith teaching as not just truth as, but the whole truth, that that there isn't wisdom to be learned outside mm -hmm. that faith. And what you've just described is kind of this realization that there were, there was more to be learned to help yourself develop than that which, and often it's just a particular flavor of a, of a faith teaches. Mm -hmm. And it's how it's presented, I think. Yeah. You know, in, in the personal development conferences, it wasn't anything revolutionary. They were talking about love and love for yourself. And they were talking about gratitude and forgiveness all things that you hear about in a typical sermon. <laughs> yep. So it, it wasn't like these earth shattering new concepts, same concepts, but a different way of presenting it, a different way of talking about it that we just never had. And, you know, for me being someone of faith and, you know, at the time I was still a pastor. So as I would listen and read, I would be thinking, okay, where, where do I find this in scripture or where have I seen this in my faith? So I was connecting the dots because of my worldview, but um, yeah, I mean, the concepts are very basic. It's just how we apply them to our lives. And if you get it, you know, sometimes they say that the longest journey is the journey from the heart or f from the mind to the heart. And you know it up here, but I think the problem with so many people of 
faith is that we don't live that truth and statistics show that um you know that the transformation there's there's a breakdown somewhere in what we know about scripture and know to be you know moral truth and moral living and how we actually live out that faith and i wanted there to be the transformation in my life that i read in scripture not not just feeling hopeless and stressed and overwhelmed i was like this isn't fun <laughs> this this can't be all life is meant to be especially in ministry when you know then again you have that extra guilt <laughs> yeah you were supposed to be called to this and yet it's not working how does that make any sense at all yeah for sure yeah that's been a, a really fascinating story and, and i kind of feel like there's probably another episode that we could unpack on your journey through uh, the self-improvement industry because you've probably got a huge amount of wisdom to say you know avoid these courses go for these yeah but let's let's not go there right now thank you so much for, for your time and for your thoughts yeah. and your honesty that's been really refreshing and uh, really hope that your story has managed to touch uh, some of our listeners and help them make their journey towards their great escape yes i hope so it's that's why i talk about it there you go to inspire other people and know that you could do anything it's all it's up to you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the great escape podcast you can find other episodes at all the usual places on itunes stitcher and spotify or at the website greatescapepodcast.com forward slash episodes and if you'd like to contact me to talk about any element of this episode or others have covered please go to greatescapepodcast.com forward slash contact and you can find all the ways of getting hold of me there and if you're stuck in a situation and you can't find the way out please go there send me a message and let's see how we can work together to get you unstuck and moving forward with your life again Please do share this podcast with your friends and family, other people you think might appreciate it, and comment on episodes or send me a message. I'd love to keep the conversation going.